All my friends, Sarah Lassick. We did it. We did it. It's it took here. a minute. It took a minute. I don't even care. <laughs> I used to get tripped up on that because I used to be like, so schedule it. It needs to be this day and I need this episode to come out. And then it's just kind of life. And yeah. sometimes like it's not the right time to do a podcast or there's lots going on. And anytime it's been a long time coming guest, I now have the mindset of like, this is exactly when it should be. No, no sooner, yep. no later. Yep. yep. So this is the Love time. It. So glad to be here. I'm so excited. And for a listener who doesn't know the reason that I'm excited, like I kind of like I had this morning where I'm like making coffee, thinking about this podcast. And I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this. And I'm so excited <laughs> because there are certain guests that I have on where there's little ties in their stories or, or moments that I'm genuinely so fascinated in. And you're kind of low key, like for <laughs> how much you've done and accomplished. It's not like you can search your name and find a million podcasts no. and interviews. And I find guests like yourself so rad and I learn so much. So like I started this morning off and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm so excited for this one. So <laughs> I hope I can live up to it. Yeah, right. Don't fuck up. Impart some no. wisdom. Yeah. For a listener who doesn't know who you are, just a quick explanation of yeah. who you are and what you do. And then I'll kind of take it back to the early days. I mean, I guess I'm a, I'm a businesswoman, you know, and in terms of my career and have kind of had a very non-linear career path. And so started out in finance and then moved into fashion for, for about 20 years. So that was the crux of my, my life and now in automotive. And so kind of this weird string of following my passions, lots of fits and starts. I've been on the business side, building brands, um, sales strategy, that kind of a thing, leading teams. So it's, it's been a journey, but that's probably the easiest way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. There's so many bits of your story that I don't know. And the the moment where I was like, I need to have you on <laughs> is when Micah Heiku came and did the podcast and told me that you were his boss at Tom's. And I was like, was. are we talking about the same person? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Where did it start? Like, that's always a spot that I'm pretty curious of. It's like, did at a young age, did you know that you wanted to pursue the career that you ended up having? Or like, did you go to college and like kind of have something in mind? Was there a moment where you saw something and you were like, yo, this, like, mm -hmm. take me back mm -hmm. to those days where it starts beginning? It's a good question. And it's an, like I said, it's an odd path. So growing up, I had three passions. I mm -hmm. was a competitive swimmer. I loved fashion and I loved cars. And I do not know why I loved cars. I have no family. I don't have a dad. I don't have a brother. I just was obsessed with cars. In fact, my mom sent me an essay framed that I wrote in fourth grade called Cars. So for some reason, it just has always been an obsession of mine. So as I, you know, I burn out on swimming. So that, that did not turn out to be, you know, my Olympic dreams, you know, died in high school. But, you know, I just kind of, I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do with any of those things. And I think when you think about things like fashion and cars, no idea what to do with that. It's like, oh, can I be a race car driver or can I be a buyer? You know, I just yeah. didn't know. So I just went, I had a kind of a, a frustrating path getting through college. So I got yeah. into Boulder. I was a straight A high school student for family drama for people that mm -hmm. family drama, I ended up getting pulled out of Boulder and ended up at Santa Barbara City College. And I was like bitter and pissed about it because I'm uh, like, I'm a straight A student. Why am I at a city college? But again, it's like life yeah, does. It was just you. circumstance. Like it circumstance. Was just, yeah. And it was one of the best things that could have happened. So this is really? like, by the way, this is a common theme in my life. It's like the things that you don't expect or you don't want end up being the things that 
kind of get you to that next that, <laughs> that next that is know, like one of those stone. 2020 hindsight moments where i think about that too and it's such bullshit in the moment you're like this i have to deal with this yeah. and it's not sometimes till years later where you're like oh that actually kind of worked out because yeah. in yeah. the moment it sucks yeah and oh, like yeah. always yeah so it was it was great and i you know ended up long kind of story ended up at SMU in Dallas, which, you know, as a California girl, I grew up near Berkeley, you know, and you land in, in Dallas and it was a little bit like landing on Mars, mm -hmm. you know, it was, could not have been a more different thing, but again, just another experience. And I went to school for business. Cause I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I, you know, getting a business degree feels like the right thing to do. And so graduated from SMU and another thing they, I, Again, you get kind of sucked into the world. They wanted me to stay in Texas. And no, they wanted me to go to LA and I wanted to stay in Texas. Don't oh, ask. wow. Like, okay. It was like, you, you know, you get sort of brainwashed, yeah. I guess. So I ended up getting moved to LA for a job and I was in corporate finance and it was working for a bank and it was the world's most boring job known to man. Like it was so terrible. Whoa. Interesting question there because yeah. I... Certainly have cars as the parallel with you. I think for me, it wasn't swimming and fashion, but I had cars, skateboarding, photography. Like that mm -hmm. was the things that I loved. Mm -hmm. And then later on a little bit of music. But I never knew that there could be a career in automotive. So I always figured I had to find a job that made a lot of money so I could buy the cool cars that I wanted. Yeah. So was that a little bit of your, your finance logic of just like, all right, it might be boring, but maybe it can fund the stuff I love? To go down the, the human side for a sec, I grew up, uh, my parents got divorced and I was very young and I grew up with a single mom who just... I watched her bust her ass. I watched her raise two kids with nothing. I, mm. you know, and knowing what she went through, you know, as a, as a young girl and a young woman, you're like, I will never find myself in that position. And oh, so yeah. how do I take care of myself? I can't rely. I mean, you know, you go pick ch children of divorce. You can't rely on some man. You've got to like, you got to do, you got to fight your way. And so part of this was like, okay, this is the safe thing. And this yeah. is the like career path that will get me to stability and like, you yeah, know, like you kind of have this extra armor of like, you need to be independent and like, you need to like, look out for yourself kind of thing. Yeah. So this was just something where you're like, okay, cool. Like these steps, I can follow it. It's a thing. Like I go get an education, do this. Here's the path. Yep. Here's stability, everything. It was like the right thing. You know, you yeah. do the right thing. Was there any bit of that that was fulfilling? Like, was there any amount or like kind of in it as you were doing it? Were you like, yo, like I could do this forever or like, damn, there's got to be something more. I could definitely not do it forever, yeah. but it was, you know, before one thing, before I left SMU, I actually interned at Neiman Marcus over the summer. So they had this oh. like buyer training program. So you could like work in the buying office and work in the store. And I, that was kind of my first foray into fashion. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind for a little bit, but I was like, Oh, I don't know how to do, I don't want to be a buyer. I don't know what to do. So there was something about the finance where I was like, okay, this is a good business experience. Maybe this will translate, but I knew that that particular avenue was not for me. And so I lasted about <laughs> like a year and a half and ended up then moving into working for Sony. Oh. And Sony was building this massive entertainment center in San Francisco called Metreon. So was able to like Okay. kind of go crazy and, you know, build like, build this like marketplace, do business development, sponsorship, you know, partnerships and all that stuff. So it was like a crash course in 
business and like life that's and like insane. using my business you know and that's where yeah. i was like okay the finance paid off it was oh, good <laughs> okay was that sony entertainment was that sony like consumer electronics or like like what sony is such a big thing like it, what umbrella was that it was this new arm called sony development and was basically all we did was spend money like we had a lot of former disney guys yeah. and we were building these like life-size you know entertainment you know things it was still to this day was one of the most fun and most like educational jobs I've ever had. Wow. Um, just like so, the right moment. Like yeah. they were just focusing on really cool stuff and you got to be a part of that. Yeah. That's I think they so were like sick. before their time. Yeah. So a lot of it was like, we did a live, like we did an interactive gaming, you know, area where the, the, we had our staff built the games and you could like live inter you know, interact in person. It was like, I think it was just too early for its time and it, yeah. you know, but it was incredible and an incredible kind of crash course in all things partnerships and sponsorships which would really inform my my future life yeah but then they closed uh -huh. the division because we just spent too much money and <laughs> you know didn't work and so that's when i took the plunge and i was like okay i don't know what i want to do and actually i I took a quick job yeah. at Edmunds.com for like two seconds, which is the oh, car yeah, like, yeah. review like the site. Online reviews. And I think they do like car sales a little bit maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it was like the car thing was in there, but I didn't, again, and I didn't love that. And I decided I'm like, no, I'm just going to go into fashion full time. You know, it was sort of this like make or break moment. And yeah. I went back to fit them. I went for the fashion. Oh, Institute. no way. So you went back to school for I went it. Back to school. Okay. I'm an old person. Yeah. I have questions around this because this is important. <laughs> this is formative. Yeah. How old were you around this time? I would have been 28. Okay. Yeah. So like 27, 28. That's actually nuts because yeah. a lot of times people at that age will kind of be comfortable and in their lane and like going back to school is, I don't know, humbling is the right word, but like it's a real reinvention of yourself. Yeah. Like you could have just been established in a lane. And also it didn't really sound like there were people in your family in that industry. So no. you, you were kind of alone in that decision. Yeah. So like, how did you get there? How, like, what was your personal thought process to be like, I'm 28, I'm done with this crazy Sony thing. Where do I go now? You know, it was a little of an out of body kind of moment because of my nature. I'm very, you know, I was like, I'm very organized. I'm very like, I'm going to do the right thing from a career standpoint. But it was kind of this moment where it was a make or break, you know, and I don't know, I maybe it was just like one of those things you're like, I'm just going to do this, which was really out of character. But yeah. I, I do. And this is a common theme. And I think it's one of the things that if I were to have like one word or one thing of, you know, wisdom to impart is that never be afraid to keep reinventing. Like I've had now three careers, not jobs, but careers you know, and it's, it's scary and weird, but I, it was the thing. And I, it was like, it, to me in my mind, it was the only way that I was going to be able to make that leap mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. And I was like, I'm just going to commit to this thing. I, I think that's an incredible lesson. And it's something that I end up talking about a lot on the podcast. Like I went from music to automotive yeah. and did a bunch of stuff in between. And I don't want to say you feel like a failure at the time, but you just feel lost. Like, you're just like, well, fuck now what? Like yeah. the thing that I loved the most is now not really an option. What do I do? Yep. And that turmoil, those in-between moments are crazy. So to know that you've had the success that you've had in your career, but also know that you've had to reinvent it a couple of times is actually like really encouraging. Like, I think that's a cool thing to share. I, yeah. Especially Especially now, because I do think there's more avenues to get to places where then it was just people just didn't do that as much. Yeah. And because I was that age, which not obviously old, but compared, I, I showed up at FITM with a bunch of 18 year olds. Right. And I was like, 
oh my God, you know, yeah. I am the oldest person here. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, I was going to say humbling, but I don't know if that's bit. necessarily the word, but yeah. it's just like, it's a risk. It's a change. Yeah. So, okay. So you go there and then did you have an idea of where that could lead to, or are you just like, all right, let's just see what happens? To me, it was really, really helpful because again, I didn't really know the industry. I didn't know what you could be. So it's like in your mind, you're like a designer or buyer. You know, mm. I just didn't understand. So I didn't have a preconceived notion of what I would do. And it was the thing that opened the doors and taught me more about, it was only a one year because I had had, I've already been to college. So it was like oh, this professional sure. designation program, like an AA degree. Yeah. But it opened the doors to understand what I could do. And so it was the thing that taught me about the wholesale sales industry, which I knew nothing about. You know, um, I'm yeah. like, oh, on the other side of the buyer, you know? Yeah. And that's ultimately what I graduated and, and started to do was to go into sales. Was it easy to find a job out of Finham? Not easy, but not hard. And only I think because I, I there was like some assistant or coordinator job. And I was like, no, because I've already been, you know, a senior manager. I've always done this, that. So I kind of like, you know, pushed my way in into a, what was it, a sales manager job at a company called St. John um, okay. down in Orange County. Okay. So it was, you know, it's an entry, it's an entry level job, but it was like a step above like a coordinator. And I yeah. think, you know, but I don't think it's that hard necessarily. You just have to be willing to try shit. Like you have to be willing to just roll up your sleeves and do the things that need to be done for yeah. the people that need you to do it. And sometimes that's, that can be humbling. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you like kept the right attitude, but you also knew that you were like starting over a little bit. Yeah. So you're like, not full entry level, oh, but here's but yeah, a spot yeah. where I'll prove myself. I'll do what I got to do. Yeah. As you got into that, did you start to have like clues of like, okay, yeah, I actually really like this. Or like, did it feel different from finance? And did it feel like, cause by that time, like you've had some life experience. Yeah. Were you like, I'm on to the right thing? Or were you like, uh, I don't know. No, it really did feel like, I mean, the company itself, you know, this is the thing in sales. Like you ideally would like to be selling something that you love and feel passionate about. The company itself, it made um, very formal um, kind of hand beautifully, like beautiful, like designer level, but like for older women, you know, it was not like a young person's, you know, line and it was, yeah. but it, the training was incredible. So they really? were very structured and like mm. very, you know, and so it was like the best, as I got further in my career and I started to lead teams and I started to train people and I was like, thank God I had the crazy, you know, St. John experience, which was a little painful at the time, but yeah. they taught a base level of professionalism that was not really seen in fashion. Yeah. So, but it, I felt like I was onto something and I was working with really incredible, like young women, you know, we were traveling, I was going to New York. I was, you know, showing buyers and like getting introduced to this world. And you're like, Oh my God, Sick. Okay. So like <laughs> it was very much fulfilling on that yeah. side of like young you yeah. where that was something you looked to and yeah. didn't really know. You're like, okay, I'm doing it. Like yeah. I'm doing the trips. I'm meeting the people. I'm selling the thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so you that's like a- that later. Like you get so, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, no, but please. like you get jaded, you know, and you get, yeah. it's like the things that where your passions turn into your jobs and you're just like, oh God, you know, this yeah. is just painful. And you just stop and take a moment where you're watching these, you know, younger people come in and you're like, all oh, right, like that was so shiny and it was so like incredible yeah. and like mind blowing that I was, yeah. you know, I, you know, later I would go to like runway shows and you're like, how am I here? 
you know, you yeah. can't, you forget that. Yeah. Because you accomplish it and then it's I, entitled is maybe the wrong word, but you earn it. Yeah. Like you get there and you do earn your yeah. place and then it becomes regular. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah, I've, I've done the things and I've earned my spot here. So then it's like, oh, well, are you going to X fashion week or X thing? And it's like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, like I don't want to young, you were like, no fucking <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it is a weird one. I, I've experienced that in different industries and different yeah. times. And you always look at that like wide eyed kid and you're like, must be nice. I know. <laughs> I know. Is, and like we, we lose him mm -hmm. or her, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just one of those things I think you have to like stop and reassess, yeah. you know, a lot. But that self-awareness, I think like I can get it back pretty quick. Yeah. Like I can pretty much like anytime like where I'll feel it, I'll stop and I'll just completely reassess and look around and be like, all right, now it's sick. This it's is sick. cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you're doing that and it's like the moment of you really making it in that lane. You're introducing or you're getting introduced to the people, you're traveling, you're learning a ton what happens next? Because again, I know you've worked with some fucking crazy, <laughs> crazy companies. Crazy and, people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I ended up moving to New York. Okay. So I left St. John and I was like, you know what? I was driving. So it was in Orange County. I was mm -hmm. living in Santa Monica and I was fucking miserable. Like, really? you know, driving, I would get oh. up at like 4.30 in the morning, go down there, work out, you know, because the traffic for people that don't live in LA, like, you know, driving to Orange County is purgatory. So I was like, I'm shedding my car. I'm going to New York. I'm going to be in fashion. Like if you're going to be in fashion, right? Like you yeah. have to be in New York. And I just felt like I'm going. And that it was a little crazy. Like there's a part of me sometimes, like I'm a weird dichotomy of a person because I am a very, I'm a rule follower, but I hate rules. Yeah. I'm very like, no, do the right thing. But I was like, fuck it. I'm just doing it. Yeah. And I literally went to New York went and set up, like I had a couple of my buyers when I was at St. John set some appointments up, but I just cold called like all these people's dumping rain. Like I, you know, you know, for people to know New York, you're just like, I'm so unprepared. I'm from California. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I remember walking into all these different, you know, designer offices and I was like, who am I? And how the hell am I doing this? And you just, I don't know. I don't know what takes over, but it's just this like will to do it. And yeah. I landed a job at BCBG and moved to New York. And it was like, you know, I remember laying, I was, I was subletting a fifth floor walk up in Hell's Kitchen. And I remember like had to pull the mattress on the floor because there was like parties next door. And I woke up in the middle of the night with like a mouse staring at me. And I was like, what have I done? Like, what have I done? Who? And I was like 30 years old at the yeah, time. So, yeah. you know, you're like, I've left this kind of comfortable life in right. LA to come here and you know, New York kicks your ass. New yeah, York is- I can't hang. And this was way, this is, you know, long before there was one Whole Foods, there was no Trader Joe's. Like I lived Lower East Side when I finally mm. moved into my place and you're just like, but it was such a pivotal mm. experience. Like both from the job front and being in fashion and being with, you know, BCBG is a big, you know, big multi-global brand and, you know, being able to like work in that environment. And it was hell, like you watch Devil Wears Prada and mm -hmm. there's a lot of that that is not far from the truth. Really? He got like Max and they're smoking, yeah. <laughs> yelling at you in French. Yeah. And you're just like, ah, what am I doing? And lugging shit all over New York. And so it's, yes. that's just not that glamorous. Uh -huh. And I think that's like anything you, probably music or anything else yeah. you learned that the yeah, the, there's it's not that glamorous. There's like the, I don't know, 20% <laughs> of it that feels like the cool parts that people think it is. And yeah. then the other 80, you're like, fuck. Yeah. 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 
But another one where, you know, my president, Robert Bronstein, was this, you know, older, just old school sales guy. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like one of those really pivotal things where you're like, I hate this guy. I fucking like this. Mm-hmm. Like you get to your desk and he'd be like, Sarah, please come to my office. And oh you'd have God. to like, you know, you're in the bathroom and they're tracking you down. And it's just like, you just, you're everyone's like bitch. And yeah. you're like, ugh, I don't want to yeah. do this. Even though you're like not, you're not his assistant. You're, but you have to just suck it up and do yeah, it. Yeah, like swallow that little bit of pride. A lot of pride. Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of pride is swallowed. That's, there's just, it's interesting learning your story in real time. Like you've always known what you're worth and you've like had a lot of great professional experience and been so structured, yet you have had these like fuck it moments and like really taken these leaps of faith. But it seems like that gives you more and more grit every time. It's the weird thing of like, you know what you're worth, you know how to do the thing, but then you'll do these crazy pivots and have these humbling experiences where you won't be above things. And it seems like that's been opening up more and more doors in the story. It's interesting that you put it that way because maybe this is all coming to, yeah, to come clear for me because even up till Omaze, which was, you know, my my last role, I have a very hard time. This is the, you know, follow rules, but hate them. And I have I have had a lot of issues in my career where I know the right thing is, you know, what the right thing is to do, mm-hmm. whether it's for the business, whether it's for my team, whether it's for me personally. And I know that like leadership or the president or the owner or the founder is, you know, doing the wrong thing. And I inevitably can't shut my mouth. Like yeah. I can't stay there, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and I can't, yeah. you, I mean, ask any, ask my, ask anyone that has worked with or for me, you know, that I go to bat mm-hmm. and it has oftentimes bitten me in the ass and I've dealt with it sometimes better and sometimes worse than I should. And it's kind of one of those, it's probably one of the biggest learning experiences in my career is how to channel that kind of fight and that like making sure that you still feel confident because I've also had my confidence just absolutely shattered by Mm. a lot of these. Unfortunately, a lot of them are like men and you're just like, you just feel like, I don't know anything. I'm useless. And you're like, how do you bottle that confidence? And then present it in a way that gets you what you want, yeah. but you're not like fighting. That, I, I just, I, I've been kind of thinking that, that whole thing in my head as you've been explaining your story where it's, it's a rare mix, but I love it. And there's still so much more of your story where I'm curious how it's played out. Cause I was thinking like when you said the men thing, I was like, knowing how deep you are in cars and knowing that industry a little bit more, like I see that. I don't know in fashion, but like, I just, I love that you've had that. Like, you know, the rules, you'll do the thing, you'll be humble, but then you have these moments where you're like, fuck it, I'm going to go do it better. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So you're in New York, you're earning your stripes, you're making it work. What happens next? So I ended up moving back to LA with BCBG. So they, I had, I had been promoted to run you know, another division. Um, and I was like, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to not do another New York winter. And it was like, Mm -hmm. I got my, it was probably just shy of three years. Like I got my New York, you Mm -hmm. know, and I was still going there all the time. So I still like got my New York in, um, and came back and it's basically a journey of, of brands, you know, like BCBG was so formative because it was my earliest, biggest, longest, you know, and I was kind of really immersed in that probably in like a Stepford wives way. Like they make you, it's like or Stockholm syndrome. Like they make you kind of a part of it. It's, it's funny as I, as I built teams and I 
hired people, mm-hmm. you know, these are the lessons you're like, what not to do, how not to treat people, you wow. know, along the way is, you know, how I was treated. And in some ways I was treated well and I was invited into the family, but it's, you know, in a lot of ways you weren't. So it was yeah. just this weird. Yes. That's cool to hear because I think all of us feel that way of like, are you treated like shit in your role or are you not? And like, it seems like your experience there, I guess what I'm trying to get to and something that I realized that I haven't clarified yet is there's a part of your career where I really want to understand where you start to assemble teams. Because I think about the Micah episode where I find out that you're his boss and it's like, I'm understanding now everything that led you to the spot of being the leader that you are. Where does your role come in where you can really step up and be a leader? Or are you already at that spot now in this um, part of your career? No, I mean, sort of. I had a small, really small team. I would say, and you know, fast forward, I don't need to talk through every single thing I did, but I would say I got, I was working for a brand called Seven for All Mankind. Mm-hmm, um, this mm-hmm. was in like 2000 six or seven. So kind of in still in the denim heyday before the, yeah. the world crashed in 2008. <laughs> yeah. And I had the opportunity to come and I was the director of sales for the West Coast. And so I came into the LA office and it was a bit of a shit storm. It just wasn't, there was no management. It wasn't the woman that was, it was just not well run. So I had two jobs. One was to improve the business and like organize it and get some processes in place and, and grow it. And the other was to kind of reassess the team and rebuild the team. And it was it was pretty insane because you walk into these places and it had been one way for a long time. And yeah. so you're the new kid. Yeah. Nobody wants you there. Yeah. You know, they might think, well, she seems nice enough, but she's gonna come in and like fuck with my program here. And I'm getting and away with, you know, leaving at three or doing whatever I'm doing. Right. And, and it very well is your job to come and fuck my with job. the program yeah, and like, make it better. Yes, yeah. Exactly. That took an incredible amount of confidence because you just walk in there and you're like, you just know that everyone is like, hates you. And so it taught me a lot about how to go into a business, how to go into a team, how to try to give people the benefit of the doubt when you get there. And some of them, you know, like you just know, and or like in your interview process, they're like, these are some problem spots you're going to have to deal with. But you go in there and you kind of give everyone the benefit of the doubt, because what I also learned, and this was a big thing at Tom's, there were people in there that had been written off Mm -hmm. and they were incredible. Wow. And they had never been given a chance. They had been like put in this like horrible role that they were, of course, like they would have been useless anywhere to anyone. And so you go in and you're like, wait a second, this person just has had no mentorship. They've had no leadership. They've had no purpose. So of course they're not performing. I just got caught up in my head. Like you said a thing to me that like straight up got me emotional because I've like always thought that one of my talents was like understanding and seeing people. And as you're explaining this, like I've seen that happen. I've, I've been in a spot where I've been like, this person is a superstar and no one gives a fuck. Yeah. And it's like, knowing what you've accomplished now, I'm like, oh my God, that's valuable. Like, that's 100%. a thing. Like, that's yeah. so validating to hear. It's like, that's crazy so that you said that. And it, you know, you can, you can tell. You can tell when people really want to do this. And then you can tell, like, there's, you know, the obvious people like, I want a promotion. I've done this. I've done mm-hmm. this. And like, to me, I would rather spend more time. And let's say that that person was performing and doing their job. But this person is so hungry and mm-hmm. just like, what can I do? I want to learn. I want to be in it. And those people, I'm like, sign me up all day long. You yeah. know, like, even if I'm hiring someone for a role that maybe doesn't come from that industry or mm-hmm. that they show 
so much like just care and like, like they're like, thoughtful and like there was a woman i hired at tom's and we ended up having like a two-hour interview because i was just like both of us were just asking other <laughs> questions and i was like you because it was for a, a finance kind of type job and i was like you're incredible like yeah. i can just see you getting in there and the wheels are turning mm -hmm. and you may not be like perfect on paper but yeah you're the one that's so rad to hear that reaffirmed by you so was with tom's before or after Dan, uh, seven after after okay okay so you yeah. start there like I so you're like there. you have this crazy role you have to come in with this confidence you know it's this hard job and you have to step up to the plate and start to run this team yeah yeah and it turned out to be one of my favorite teams really like, i loved my girls like i loved them so much and it's interesting because in fashion like you talk about this you have like the east coast and the west coast and you have like the east coast buyers have a very different personality and approach than the west coast and same yeah. with the teams and i just built a kick-ass team and i say i we became a kick-ass team yeah. and it was just and and part of this is the other thing you have to push people to, to do their best and be their best. That sounds so cliche, but a lot of times a leader will like dance around things because they're like, oh, they're going to complain or they're this and you're that. And you're like, look, try to explain why you're asking them to do that thing. Try to bring them into the thing you, you know, don't just throw work at them. Try yeah. to bring them into the thing and right. bring them into this whole process. And then they start having ownership in what the hell you're doing. I was doing. just thinking ownership in my head. Yeah. You have to. And so we just got, we just, they finally, I mean, they'd still bitch and complain about doing the like, you know, things they didn't want to do, but they all got it. And they were just, we had so much fun in that office. Like, yeah. and I'm still friends to this day, very close friends with a number of those people. That's so sick. Yeah. And at that point, when you did get that team to be at that, like, really kick-ass level where you like, oh, I can do it. Like I can run this. I can sift the bad. I can, I can uplift the good. I can put the dream team together. And like, were you starting to understand just how valuable that was? I did. And what also kind of surprised me, and maybe this is another sort of like, I've never really considered myself a people person. I mean, Funny. like my sister would see this and laugh. Like <laughs> I hated babysitting. I don't want children. I don't <laughs> like being in crowds. I don't like, you know, I'm just like, I was not a person that would just, I'm more of an introvert yeah. than anything. And yeah. so I find myself in sales of yeah. all things. And Funny. then I can relate to that leading teams. Yeah. And I realize I'm like, and again, this will be another theme through life. It's all about the people. And it's the hardest thing. It's the hardest part of any job is leading a team. It it can be the most difficult and the most like soul sucking at times, mm -hmm. but the most rewarding. And that was my first sort of like revelation. I was like, I really like this. And I'm actually this, I'm good at this part. It's also another thing, like I've learned this more recently is like leading a team is very difficult. And it's not even like I lead these crazy teams or anything like that, but I'm really learning and understanding the power of a team. Yeah. Because when you don't want to deal with it and when there's all the drama, oh there's so much of this attitude of, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. Mm -hmm. But you realize how much that weighs on you and you realize how much you actually don't get accomplished or how, how much less yep. versus a team. A yep. good team yep. gets so much done. Yep. So it's like, it's so necessary. And they'll have your back, yeah. you know? And I think that's the other thing about like, to me, a good leader and a bad leader is, you know, when you hire people, hire people better than you, hire people that are smarter than you, hire people that know more than you, hire yeah. people that are younger than you, like whatever it is, because they're going to get the shit done and yes. they like, they're going to have your back. And yeah. that was my team at Omaze. Like we had some really, same with Tom's by the way, like really challenging stuff and I had their back and they knew it and they had my back and I knew it. And it was like, even in times where it felt like it was a little us and them with, you know, other parts of the company, which is not ideal, but you're yeah. like, at the end of the day, 
we we got each other and we're going to figure this out. That's so sick. Oh, that's so sick. I love yeah. that. And I think that's such a show of confidence too, to be like, yeah, like I'm going to hire the younger person that's better than I am and all yeah. that. Like, because then, I mean, God, you see how many times egos play into things and how much people will be threatened by that. Yeah. But for you to be like, no, that's the ticket. Like that's yeah. what wins. Fuck, yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Was it hard to leave seven? Why, why am I, I'm not saying the full. Seven for all mankind, okay. but yeah, seven. Was it hard to leave that then if you like had this incredible team? It was. And, you know, this is another kind of, I guess, life journey um, situation. So I, they, I was pursued to come over to true religion to be their VP of sales for the whole country. And, you know, again, when you're talking about products, like I also loved the product, like seven yeah. made some incredible denim and, you know, true religion wasn't so much, you know, really our thing. I don't know if it's even on anyone's radar anymore, but it was like the big I, stitching and the big pockets. And oh the, like, yeah. You know. I remember, I think it was like yeah. a buckle in the mall. It's and got stuff all like kinds that. of shit like, yeah, on yeah. it. Yes. It was definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was so ready for you to say that that was Tom's like, you've really like done it all. <laughs> I have gone around That's like crazy and fashion's hard. And yeah. this is the thing too, I would say, you know, and I think things are different again, because it feels like now it's more acceptable for people to move mm -hmm. jobs. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you stay in a job for maybe two years and like people are going to go try, especially in like the tech, you know, digital space. So seven had been bought by a big company called VF Corp. They own oh. like North Face and yeah. Yeah. and a bunch of other companies. So that had changed a little bit, but like a company like True Religion or even Tom's or Omaze, like they're run oftentimes by people that they might be, they were creatives, they were designers. They had a, you know, a creative vision. They don't know anything about business. They don't know anything about leadership. And so mm. you get into these often really toxic environments mm. where you're kind of fighting like what I was saying, where you're like, what's the right thing to do? And what am I being told to do? And how do I get my job done and feel any, you know, feel good about it? So that was a lot. I mean, I was at BCPG for like five years and then seven was probably like two and a half years. And, you know, I, I don't love, I didn't love jumping around, but it was like, okay, this is a career move. I'm going to make yeah. a career decision. seems like growth has been really important to you though. Like as much as it might be uncomfortable, like you're progressively chasing growth and like almost stepping up to that plate of necessity of like, as soon as you're probably comfortable at a thing, you're like, fuck, I got to change I it change. Which, yeah. And it's, you know, it's like, it, I don't want it to be mistaken for a title necessarily, though that's right. part of it, you mm -hmm. know? And I think after you put X amount of time or years or what have you into something, you're like, I do want something that's going to tell me that I've yeah. progressed. But I think too, it is that thing, you know, unfortunately, and I hate to keep saying this, but like for a woman, mm. you, you trying to find your foothold, even in yeah. fashion, fashion's a very male dominated. There's a lot of women that work in it, but right. the senior ups uh, and the owners are all men for the most part. Yeah, You're just trying to find your way and like try yeah. to find that kind of home. And, you know, true religion, there was some, there was it was a tough, it was another tough one, you know, it was founder owned, you know, I ended up meeting some incredible people and, and revamped, you know, yeah. both showrooms on the East and West coast, but ended up actually getting laid off. They fired me because, I mean, this is, this is life because the owner wanted to hire a woman that would go party with buyers like do Coke and go party with them instead of doing like the right thing for the business. And he's like, well, that'll get 
the buyers to buy more. That'll get, he was like old, fucking old school. Oh like, my God. I feel so validated in your story <laughs> of just, I mean, entirely different lives with small parallels of like, wait, so I'm being penalized for having like good values. You're like, I don't and snort like, coke yeah. on my job. Okay, got it. Yeah. But again, why I'm so fucking stoked to have you on the podcast is like, you set an example for how good it gets and like the growth and it's like the, the like, no, trust me, like it, it works <laughs> out. So it's like, that's, it's just, you've lived the experiences of those highs and those lows. Yeah. yeah. So is then, is that Tom's? <laughs> I want to hear you about being Micah's boss. I need <laughs> okay, to hear about I'll this. I'll fast forward, but the, the, so I got fired and I was like, I mean, I've never been fired. What do you mean I got fired? Like mm -hmm. you just, you know, you, and it's like, it, no matter what the reason, you know, mm -hmm. whether the company lays off a thousand people or it's just you, it is just like, you know, it's that a gut punch and you're just like, wait, what? It was another one of those like go to New York moments where I was like sitting there and I was like, I'm going to start my own business. What? Whoa. I don't do that. Like, this is not, I'm not an entrepreneur, like by nature, or at least I didn't think I was. So I, I realized you I, in the industry, and this was the true religion experience. It was so unintelligent. Like it was so fashion is so unprofessional in a lot of ways. And I was like, I could really go in and help people really build their brands organize, get them from a, like a business perspective, help them build, you know, their seasons in a more kind of organized and, and professional manner, help them with their lines, help them with merchandising, all the things. So I started my own consulting business <laughs> and like, and this, this was like in 2011 or something. And it was the most freeing thing in the world. I was like, wait a second. I don't have to go into an office. I don't have some maniac calling me on my, you know, drive in telling me why I'm not sitting in the chair. Yeah. And, you know, it's scary. Like you have to go constantly hunting for new business. It's a different kind of, you know, scary, but it was, it was incredible. Um, and I, you know, was working with small businesses and this is where I started to dip my toes into cars again. Oh, because go of, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, a good friend of mine, Charlie Frank, is um, he has a marketing company and they do all like automotive stuff. And so uh -huh. he was doing a lot of work with BMW. And I was like, well, I've got some time. And so we would go organize all of these like ride and drives, private track days. You'd go and we'd set up, <laughs> set up like autocross courses and like Excel decel things. And so customers would come out and try. All the wow. new BMWs. So like very OG, like what I'm thinking of like Porsche Experience Center, like early bit. days yeah. of that kind of experience yeah. of like, yeah. here's our new sick car, come, come properly and, drive it. Yep. I remember Ooh. sitting there, I had to go meet the transporter uh -huh. in person or something at a parking lot. And this guy drops off like 20 BMWs. And there was like, this was like the two, I think the M235 or 230, what did they call it? 235M, no, M235. Like it was like earlier uh -huh. two series. And all these cars, and I'm like, well, what do you do when you're sitting in a parking lot with, you know, 20 BMWs? You go and you do, you know, donuts. And it just it was such a blast working with them and they're hustlers. And they, you know, we just so I instructed, you know, took customers out and then we would do like autocrosses and I3s, which was awesome. That's so like burn sick. through tires, like tall, skinny tires on I3s. Yeah. And then I would help them manage some of the, like they would do these dealer programs. So help them, you know, work with the dealers and manage the, that shit that they like, weren't that good at. And I was like, well, let me help you do that. Cause you had a, the experience of dealing with like that side of business yeah. of like insert fashion versus dealer, like kind of same structures, things yeah. like your skill set kind of just naturally applied yeah. at that point. Yeah. Which but, I also realized I'm like, don't go work for a dealership. Yo, <laughs> don't 
beat your heroes. It's really? Like, oh God. Yeah. I, I have no experience, but yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, but it's something that you said very casually there, which is so funny to me. It's like you were doing driver instructor stuff. So like obviously you had loved cars, but like that's a that's an undertaking. That's a thing. Yeah. Was that just did that just come natural to you or I had gone through so I what have I had like five iterations of E92 BMW. So I finally like in 2007, I think I got like it was the first gen E92 yeah. 328. Yep. And then I got the 335. Mm -hmm. And then I got the 335 IS. And when I got my IS, which I loved and I wish I never got rid of. Such sick car. Such a great car. I went out for my first track day. No, sorry. I did that in the 335. I went to Danny McKeever's fast lane at Willow Springs because I'm like, I've always loved this. I have always been an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. I rolled my Fox body Mustang in high school. I did. Landed on my roof. I used to race people like, and this is, this is insane. I used to race down in a full-size Bronco <laughs> with my friend and her 240Z down a one-way street, like on the side, like we were crazy. And I've just always been like an adrenaline junkie and loved driving fast. Yeah. By that time I had done a couple schools and then I went and did, um, I think I had done two M schools. So I did the M school and the advanced M school out at thermal. Mm-hmm. So I like, I'd spent a lot of time in cars I've been on, you know, when I'm saying instructing, like these are people that literally don't know how to drive. So you're like, okay, this is, you know, stomp on the throttle, stomp yeah, on the brake, like, you know, try to teach them. Look at yeah. this cone as yeah. you throttle through. Like, don't fly through the fence, you know? Yeah. So it was pretty, you know, it was pretty, but it was still, you know, it was really fun. And mm-hmm. it's just like fun to watch people kind of light up when they see what these cars can do. And yeah. And they understand the dynamics and like how to yeah. actually control a car. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was a blast. And that was kind of like starting to tiptoe my way into like, okay, at some point I still don't know how to do it. Still mm-hmm. have no idea how to do it. And, you know, but it was really nice. And we would go out to like Button Willow and, you know, teach and yeah. So sick. So then at this point. <laughs> you didn't expect you have, the longest career story ever, did you? I mean, it's insane. It's just, it's cool to me though, because like I'm obsessed with this and I think it's actually so helpful because now, at least to me, I feel like you see these people and it looks like they do one thing and they've done one thing forever and they have it figured out and you sit there and you're like, must be nice. So like when you understand like the every bit of what it takes to get to the spots and <laughs> to have the career you've had, it's like, nah, like go enjoy the journey. It's part of it. Yeah. So you own your own company. You're doing more with BMW and experiences are you still doing fashion stuff? Are you like, yo, it's pivot time? Or are you like, oh, this is cool. I get to do all my stuff. Yeah. No, I was still doing fashion. I still had a couple of clients. I was like pretty full time with a client that had the guest handbag license. And we had actually, we had licensed and started a whole new line. So Mm -hmm. we had like built out this whole new brand. So that was, that was taking up most of my time and then doing some of the stuff, you know, on the weekends. And then I got approached by Tom's. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that had to have been a pretty rad offer if you were like pretty fulfilled and doing your own thing. Huh? It was it was hard. And this is where, you know, the company that I was advising for, when I told them, they were like, we'll double the offer. We'll pay you like an absurd amount of money if you stay and you do this and, you know, please don't go. And again, it's like one of those sort of career decisions and you're like, okay, one, it was a, you know, it was really a step up in career. It was a step up in visibility. It was 
a step up in salary. It was all those things. It was secure. Mm-hmm. It was taking over a massive team, a socially responsible business. It was a mission-driven company that was, yeah. you know, that was interesting, of course. And the man who ended up hiring me, um, his name is Laurent Potavon, and he was the, the president at the time. And I just really liked him. And I really liked a number of the other executive team that I that I was interviewing with. And it was scary because I knew that I knew what the situation was. This is kind of the brand. I had this knack of coming into brands like as they're sort of at their peak and and and, oh, and potentially kind of yeah. I became a fixer. I was like, how am uh, I like how am I when am I going to hit the thing where it's like you, you know get to do the come yeah. up yeah. So it was kind of at that it had it had run its like crazy course. There right. was this massive team of like independent reps that were kind of out of control. You mm-hmm. know, there was a big internal team and it was a little bit like that seven feeling where you mm-hmm. walk in, you're like, oh my God, I have to now go and figure these people out. And nobody wants oh. a new boss there because they all were making shit tons of money just doing their own thing, doing whatever. but very unorganized. And this is funny because this ties in because Micah started there as an intern, right? Yeah. So he watched the come up. Oh yeah. And then you come in a little bit after that at yep. a very high level to kind of wrangle it back and like teach this company what to do next. Yeah. I will say this, not because Micah is a friend, but Micah was rad from the beginning. And this is the thing, right? You get in there and he was just like this young, you're like, how is this person this creative? How is he like this mature? How is he this, you know, he was one of those people that you're just like, I don't totally know what you do mm-hmm. here yet, mm-hmm. but keep doing it because <laughs> you, you clearly are good at this. And he was one that, you know, and there were, and this is sort of the divide, right? It's the team that people that are like, okay, I see where this is going and I'm either going to embrace it and try to be a part of it and, and help this, you know, new person define it. I'm just going to fight and, you know, just be a pain in the ass, in right. which case, you know, right. that's, that's the like, direction. I knew the good life. I'm not changing it yep. up. Yep. Deal with it kind of thing. And yeah. Just wasn't it. I think people like Micah, that's why Micah land, landed where he did. That's why he is who he is now and has created, you know, his incredible business because he just had that ability to come in and sort of just accept change, mm-hmm. but then also try to be a part of it and inform it. You know, where if like, look, you've got an opportunity to help define where this goes rather than just sitting there digging your heels in because you're not going to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Also, what's like, what's your title at Tom's? It was SVP Wholesale, I think. So So that was US, I had a US and Canada. So like, because I don't know, I've never had the experience working at such big companies like that. How high up is that? Like, how many people do you answer to? How much of a team are you leading? Like, I just want to like understand the picture of how much of a boss you are at this point. <laughs> so that's that's executive and different. So different companies, different titles mean different things. So sometimes you should be a little careful. Like at Adidas, I was a senior director, which is a very senior t- senior title. So like, you have a VP, which there's very few at Adidas, and then you've got like you know, executives and they're mm-hmm. like a C-suite kind of levels mm-hmm. where at Tom's, I was one of the senior executives. So I reported to the president and then wow. there wasn't anyone else left. So very high up. Yeah. yeah. So I was the head of, so like most, most companies will have like a head of their function. Mm-hmm. So I was the head of sales. There was like, you know, the head of design, the head of e-com, the head of sure. giving, that kind sure. of a thing. So yeah. Damn. And how much of a team were you running? That was a big team. So we had, they had, I want to say like 25 independent reps. So that means they're out in the territories, you know, selling. Mm -hmm. And then we had 12 to 15 internals. 
you know, wow. whether it be over like, so there's like the department store sales and then there's the, you know, specialty store sales. So damn. Yeah. And then your planners and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, a, it's a big team. And then Tom's went through a private equity buyout. So that it was privately held. So the yeah. CEO Blake had the whole thing and then sold, you know, 49% of the company. And so then you start battling like, okay, the right thing to do is to not go into this level of store. Right. But mm. now we have to, because we need, we have revenue targets to hit. We have right. to do these things. So I was like, that's going to kill the brand. And you haven't even done this over here. And like we, you know, whether it's like the different product mixes, like the brand had become stale. And so we try to do all this like new product, new, we're trying to up-level like the marketing and the materials. Cause it's like, this shit has been the same for 8,000 years and people are really tired of the brand. And it was kind of the same at True Religion. You're like modernize, push yeah. forward, like make it, Can't make just it be the same thing forever. Yeah. Like yeah. people want to stay with the brand, but there's nothing new for them to engage with. And so that was a battle because oftentimes it challenges what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. It There's a dichotomy between profitability mm -hmm. and some of the other things that might be what you want to do or the more creative things. And you're like, okay, where's the trade-off? How do I, how do I do both? Mm -hmm. And it's often very, very hard. And so you know, I was able to do a lot of the things, but ultimately, again, <laughs> like I got into a fight with Blake mm -hmm. because he was like some dude in some investment meeting told him to go sell to like DSW. And I was like, no, I said, you do not, you cannot do that. You haven't even tapped into this tier right. over here. Right. You will kill your brand. He's like, what the and just went off on me and I was like fuck you and wow. I got out of the room and I quit <laughs> <laughs> not that oh day but I quit not long after and I yeah. but what I did do and this is kind of I want to say like a really important and why I'm probably still like you know alive in my career is I left I stayed on for two months mm. I helped the person who came in mm. I did every I traveled I mean I like I could have just been like screw you I'm yeah. out yeah and by the way, I walked away from a lot of money because there was through private equity, there was like a, um, they would basically pay you to stay through a certain amount of time. And I was like, my soul, like talk about Sunday scaries. I'd be in like the fetal position on Sundays and like in tears. And I was like, I can't. And my husband would be like, what is going on? I'm like, I can't go back in there. It is so, I can't, I can't look at this man in the eye knowing that he's basically telling me to do something that I like fundamentally, morally don't won't and don't feel good about the word i keep thinking of as i'm hearing this is just integrity like it's like at a certain you have so much integrity where you're like you're yeah, no like fault. <laughs> fuck the money fuck the like whatever you're just like i care about this thing and i have my values and i see the path and if i can't do that then i'm not gonna be here yeah that's insane yeah it probably is insane but like, sometimes I mean, however has that not like now the person that you are the respect that you have in all of your industries it's like to the next place you go, I think that speaks volumes. That says everything where it's like, you're willing to walk away from this crazy check and this crazy comfortable life purely because you have integrity. Like wouldn't yeah. a lot of people want that? Yeah. And I think the thing that what I have done right is back to the teams. I yeah. have treated the people that worked for me. Yeah. And, and you know, most peers, not all peers, we didn't get along, but like they were everything to me. Yeah. And so people would go with me 
from job to Whoa. job to job. So then you'd almost have like this all-star team of like when you go somewhere, you're like, I can bring you the best yeah. because we know each other and like yeah. we've gone to battle. And also integrity, thinking about that, like the way you said it, it's like, okay, cool. You get in this fight, you realize you don't have the same values or the same vision. That doesn't mean that the next day you quit and say, fuck you, figure it out. You stayed and you turned over your hat properly and you did everything you could do. Yeah. So even though there was a conflict, you did take that high road still. You have to, no matter how much you want. I mean, every we all have the visions being like, fuck you, yeah. and walking out the door. And, you know, like everyone <laughs> wants to do that. You cannot do that. Like yeah. it, it is because no matter what, the world is small. I mean, the automotive industry is tiny. Like, yeah. I mean, you know how many people that we all know in common, you're like, whoa, how do you, you know, and mm -hmm. same with fashion. And it was like, if you start burning those bridges, you're fucked. Yeah. You know, I left Tom's and the reason I got the Omaze job is because Micah reached out and put me in touch with the recruiter at Omaze. And then the woman that was the head of finance at Tom's was the CFO at Omaze. No way. And, and talk about like your story earlier of like the younger kids that you're like, yo, you're the best, like not being threatened. Like here's Micah, this young kid, and you just see the world in him. And you're like, yo. I mean, and Micah, then by the way, Micah changed my life. Like Micah changed this. The leap to Omaze, so I, I wouldn't even go in, like I, I did go to Portland and I worked for Adidas and that was, it was an incredible experience on, you know, many, many levels. I yeah. Portland is terrible and cold and rainy and not for me and not good for cars. But just um, a by the way that you also worked at I Adidas, I also like worked course. for Adidas, which was rad. And it was kind of the pinnacle of, if you're going to be, it's like basically Nike or Adidas. It's sort of the pinnacle of, let's call it, it's not fashion, but like it is kind of fashion, but apparel, you know? And yeah, I was like, okay, I have done it all. Yeah. I have been from the tiny to the large. And yeah. I'm like, now I came, we came back to LA, my, my poor husband, like, you know, drug him back and forth. And, and he's just down for the ride. He was down for the ride. I mean, he was, he was here. He was in LA a lot as yeah. it was like dumping snow in Portland yeah. and sending me pictures from the <laughs> beach. And I was like, if you send me one more picture, don't come home as I'm shoveling, like, you know, snow off the car. You know, it was another like incredible, you know, I spent a lot of time in Germany, spent a lot of time learning how to navigate these, you know, really big brands and like pretty high level of professionalism. So like overall, it was like, okay, I did that thing. I realized that I should never leave Los Angeles again. It is where I live. So when I came back, I was like, I can't go back to fashion. I'm done. It's like, you're like, I'm, I, I feel like if I'm not learning something anymore, what's the point? And you should always be learning something, even at like this level in a career. Like you, there's, if you're not learning something, what are you doing? I just felt like I had done it. And I was just like, oh, I don't feel like I'm learning anything anymore. Not everybody has that mindset. Not everybody gets that far yeah. and will still push themselves and take risks because they're not learning. Like you've clearly had some times in your career with status and titles and I'm sure salaries where you could just put your feet up and be like, we're chilling. We don't need to do the learning thing anymore. We're right. chilling. But I will say this too. This is another, you know, my, my old lady words of wisdom, like the higher up you go, the more they own you. So everyone wants to, you know, be a manager, a director, or this, the, that, the more you you know, the more senior you are, the more that's expected of you, the more you need to deliver, the more you're on the hook for the results of the company. If you lead teams like you are. So that's the sort of other thing about like kicking up and chilling. Like at Omaze, the, we, the leadership team, we worked seven days a week. Like wow. we never, like it was very rarely that we had time to stop. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I think that that's one thing. It's like, as you think about this, that's crazy. you know, I, yeah, that's think about that as like, you like want to grow, like there might be a point where you're like, I'm good here. Like, I don't wow. want all the responsibility. That's like a, that's definitely like, I, um, again, love this podcast because I selfishly get to learn so much. And like you said that to me and I'm like, yeah, damn. And it might be okay. And it might also be the company and it might be the leadership and it it really does all start with the top. But, you know, it's something that I learned. I was like, oh, this all sounded really glamorous. And (laughs) And then when you have that responsibility and you're that high up and the results are tied directly to your name, you're there on the hours and the days and you're just like, okay. Yep. You got to be there relationship with Micah being so incredible. You do go to a maze, you come back from Portland and you're in LA. And this is kind of where we meet as well, because my big shout out is race service. Like race service is the spot that changed Mm -hmm. my life. And like, I came in at a time where race service was doing a lot with Omaze. And for me, (laughs) my POV is I show up and like, I know like audio off of doing this podcast and like, they're all my friends. And like, they, they see something in me, like, again, of like, we don't fully know what you do, but you, you show up and we like you. And I was just down to do whatever. And they're like, Hey, like some of these videos, like we, we have dialogue, but then we also have car sounds and all that. Like, I was like, yeah, sure. I got you. And like, I'm like figuring it out, like recording cars and all that. And it's just this company Omaze. And it's like, every time I'm called to do an Omaze shoot, it's something different and crazy where it's like, we're parking an E30 M3 in a skate park doing something with right. P-Rod. Right, right. Or we're like going out to Angela's Crest with Justin Bell and some crazy Toyota, like off-roading. Like every shoot, I'm just like, we're doing what? And then- <laughs> you, I end up meeting you and I'm like, you're like, you're our Omaze person. Like you're (laughs) the one that lets us get these crazy cars and do this fun stuff. And it was this moment where I didn't even like, I'm in real time learning everything you've done and all that. And I I didn't even process it really. Like I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, what up? Cool. Like that's sick. We get to do stuff with you. Yeah. And it's just crazy now to hear everything you had been through and then getting to Omaze. And I I am curious, how do you as Omaze Sarah, like what were you running there? How does it tie into race service? How, like, what is your role there? You're also at this different spot in your career where you're out of fashion, you're back in LA. That must've been a pretty interesting time in your career too. It was, and it, you know, it's scary. Because all of my contacts and networks, you know, were in fashion. They weren't in automotive. And I was like, fuck, how am I going to do this? You know, so finding myself at Omaze, like it was the weirdest job ever. I could have never written the job description. It was, you know, my title was SVP of merchandising. And what they had done is they had, you know, been doing all the celebrity stuff and they realized that like prize based campaigns like cars, um, Mm -hmm. were actually more effective and, and actually less chaotic because you didn't have to like herd celebrities, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that we weren't paying. So like, instead of going to dinner with George Clooney, you win a car. Yes, exactly. So it was like the business was called owned because we sort of thought we could own our own destiny. But, um, so they had done, they had been doing this for like three or four months. They had had, you know, enough success to say, okay, this is the right thing to do. So we now need somebody to come in and actually turn this thing into a business. And so I'm sitting there and I was like, wait a second. So I'm using all of my 
business experience, it is like there was a there were a lot of parallels to merchandising and fashion and setting up kind of our our quarters and our seasons, if you will. But then you're like, but I'm also really responsible for coming up with the cars and the ideas and the the creative and all this stuff. And at the time, I didn't even know to what extent I would be pulled into that. So I'm just sitting there like looking at cars, you know, because you're like, it always had to be something special. It had yeah. to, could not just be a base model something unless it was the newest or the only right. or the, so. Yeah. They were always pretty cool. They were yeah. really unique. And yeah. so, you know, we had electric Broncos, we had, you know, the electric 912, we had mm-hmm. the, you know, FJ 40 yeah. Land Cruiser, we had the 365 or yeah, the Tuttle um, Porsche oh, yeah, that was built. Yeah. Like we, you know, there was a, I mean, there's a million, you know, the right. GT3 RSs that, I mean, you name yeah. it, we did 8,000 G wagons and, you know, so it just, I sat there and I had so many pinch me moments. And I, I remember sitting on the plane going to the Indy 500. I was a kid in a candy store. I was like a small girl again. You're like, I cannot believe. In fact, I was answering questions for that Forbes article. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting on a plane. Yeah going to the Indy 500 yeah. where I put together this deal with, with Greg, our, our head of biz dev, like we put together this deal to have a maze on an Indy car, which I'm like, Indy car is my favorite mm-hmm. motorsport series with, you know, we'd already worked with JR. We, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just like, Max is meeting us there. We're hang- like with like, it was like, OG kind of, you know, you're in the mix. I mean, yeah. I was trying to answering your Forbes interview on your flight there. You're yes. like, uh, I mean, what? like, and this is like the thing you're like, oh my God, like, and this is that young kid again. That's yeah. that like passion that comes up and right. driving into the speedway. I was like, it was like magical for me. And I was like, how is this work? You know? Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is what they say. If you love your job, then it oh, doesn't feel wow. like work. Cause I had never felt like that before. So that far into your career, that it took me much that accomplishment, long. owning your own business, fucking running shit at Tom's and Adidas, and even that much further into your career, you then find another moment of fulfillment where you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. I was like, this is my purpose. Like, damn. It it felt like it was just one of those crazy. That whole that whole trip was just like, I cannot believe. Like, that was my, that was the Omaze ex- dream experience. Like, that was a bucket list thing. You won your I won my totally yeah. and I was like, I I've already done my thing, you know? So then with that, like what was your what was your title at Omaze? Uh, uh, you said it. You SVP said it. merchandising. So yeah. then again you're running a big team. Yeah. And then you're responsible for the prize based stuff. So it wasn't actually just cars too. It was like houses and everything. Right? Yeah. So we at the time we did travel and then during COVID we did like Pelotons and you mm. know we'll build out your new kitchen and your office, you know? Yeah. So we did some other kind of crazy stuff, but then it pivoted into to houses. And so my role kind of began to grow. And this is, you know, to, to get to race service, I realized like Omaze had done things kind of one way. So they had done all these sort of pranky, goofy videos around the celebrity stuff. Mm-hmm. And it worked for that. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, it went viral and it was funny. But when it came to cars, like, you know this, and this is why race service is everything, right? Because mm. they just live and breathe car culture. Car people can sniff out cheese and shit and and inauthenticity yeah. real fast. Real fast. And so, you know, here we are trying. And then the problem with Omaze is that we had a lot of trolls. We had a lot of, you know, people that thought it was a hoax. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like, no one can win this thing. No, you know, it's like, this is bullshit. And so yeah. I'm like, look, we need to build trust 
right? We need to get out there and show people that one there, because everyone's like, where do the, like, who do these, who does this? You know? And I'm like, you know, and then Brendan came on board. So I'm like, you got two people that live and breathe cars that are literally like, we are doing this, right? So I'm like, we need to up-level our content. We need Mm -hmm. to up-level our storytelling. And we really wanted to turn Omey's autos into kind of a brand. And mm. so who did, oh, Matt, no, Max. So yeah, so yeah. shout out Motoring Club. Um, I had just bought my E92 M3. Let's go. And I was dropping it off at the Motoring Club, I think the day I bought it. And Max was there. And for some, we, this is kind of obviously early and we hadn't met and he pulls up and we're chatting. And I was mm. like, oh, you're race service. I was <laughs> like, we, I think we wanted to talk to you. Like, and I hadn't done a rise and shine. Oh, wow. Early. I, like early, early days. And so I was like, oh, that's what you do. Because uh-huh. you guys thought we were a hoax and I didn't fully understand what race service was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, let's, let's talk. And then I was like, oh shit. So then I think Brendan and I came over. Mm-hmm. And then cut to, I brought Matt Poulsen, who is our CEO at Amaze, over to meet with James and Jacob and Max. Yeah. And because, you know, especially James, right? He's such a dreamer yeah, and a creative. And like, you know, so I think, and Matt is also a creative, you know, yeah. and a storyteller. So, so I think they, they kind of hit it off. It was a little polarizing because we had this in-house content team that uh-huh. knows nothing about cars. And we worked with some of the guys, kind of some external guys, but it shook things up. It definitely shook things up. I love that. And that <laughs> explains so much. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of you at Omaze in your role. Do you think that that's like being such a senior there and being in touch with culture enough to find a race service and connect that piece? I feel like that's massively valuable. And that takes somebody who lives and breathes the culture to know it. Has that been one of those skills in your career of just like you can come and at this super high level still be in touch with culture and know like how to keep something authentic? Because I feel like that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes down to um, Adidas was like this. And this was a good training ground there, right? Because we had to take some so that the, the product that we were making was not resonating with the customer. And so it was everything that we were trying to do was uh, like re, you know, revamp the product, but then also figure out how we tell the story, right? How we market it in, you know, <laughs> Germans that don't really understand US sport and culture. So we're kind of like trying to figure out how we balance that. And that was a really good experience for me. And I lived it. Like I lived and breathed. I mean, I, I loved the brand. I lived in the product, I, you know, all the things. So coming to a maze, I think this was one of those moments where the, the thing that you want to do and you believe in is also the right thing for the business. Ooh, after you've chased that for so Ooh, long, yes, yes, that was a moment where it yeah, aligned. Yeah. Tricky because the, the, the thing that I needed to change was not under my purview. So this was like the content and the marketing. And that was such a big part of what Omaze did to achieve what I had to achieve, which is essentially the business side is the hitting the revenue, you know, making sure we had all the experiences, making sure everything was dialed to launch them and hit our targets. That that content marketing piece had to work. So it was like definitely a lot of lessons in how to wrangle things, how to get what you need yeah. and what you want when it's not something that is like yours to, to take right. or tell or, you know, have the authority over. So it was, it was tricky, but it, it definitely was that thing where you're like, I know this is the right thing to do. And we saw it, like we yeah. saw the results that it was going in the right direction. I think that's the lesson where I'm like, oh my God, where 
your integrity yet again, where you're like, I need to be in a spot where I can know what the right thing is to do and have that be supported and yeah. to like be able to execute that. Now you're not at Omaze. Mm -mm. And that sounded like it was a pretty incredible experience. And this kind of brings us up to current. <laughs> it does. So yeah. where are you at right now? How did that shake out? So Omaze was going to shift kind of full-time, let's call it, to houses. And I'll just say it was not done in the best way. And this mm. was, you know, so long story short, there was like some things that were not going so well on the business side. And so I was trying to like kind of see how that was going to shake out. And I also knew, and I'm like, look, I want to be in the automotive business. And so if this turns out to be Integrity a house again. sweepstakes yeah. site, like I want nothing to do with this. Talk about like your values. Boring. Like yeah. yeah. So that kind of was going that direction. Um, I lost my husband um, in early 2022. And so very suddenly. Yeah. Um, and so I basically left you know, I, I took, I took bereavement. I went back for a little bit and saw kind of the writing on the wall. And, uh, you know, as you, hmm, there's a lot of things in life that teach you things. This is the worst possible lesson, but what it does teach you is life is it's the, the cliche turns out to be true. Life mm. is incredibly short. Mm. And when I went back to a maze, I was just like, no way. Oh it it just, it was, your perspective it was, was just absolutely different. completely different. And it was like, you know, the, like, I don't, if I, if I didn't tolerate bullshit before I have ze like zero tolerate, right. like cannot tolerate it. Now I basically have taken the year. Um, I, I started working with triple zero yes. who are rad humans. So um, sick. yeah. So we'll be talking more about that. So helping yeah. them with a lot of like some strategy partnerships, collaborations and got connected to them you know, through mutual friends. And that has been kind of, it's been soul saving for me because they're incredible people. And we've really learned, I'm like, wait, I need you. You need me. Okay. Let's, let's work together. And, you know, I just, I'm very grateful for them and am now starting, I'm, I'm working with, so this is the people, this is the don't burn bridges story. So my former president at Tom's who left is back in LA and is now the CEO over uh, an automotive brand. And so we have been talking about working together. And I was like, wait a second. Did you like cars? Did we talk about cars? Like, no way. So this is where the universe, I feel it did not do right by me last year. It shows up in very strange ways. And the people that you have in your worlds, you know, like you're going to have shitty people and you're going to have people you hate and you have people you're never going to talk to again. But like how you conduct yourself through these journeys and these things. Like I have people that kind of, like my mom was always, it's so crazy. Like all your old bosses come and call you again. I'm like, yeah, I guess I, I did right. And, you know, somehow, some way along the way. And so, yeah, that's kind of the next, we'll see. I'm not sure exactly right. what we're doing, but yeah. I'm so inspired in hearing all of this <laughs> because like, again, I keep coming back in my head to this word integrity. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. They're calling you back. But like you reaffirm so many things that I've felt of like, keep your integrity and to not compromise. And I mean, fuck like the real life lessons that you've learned and experienced and like life is short and like doing the shit you love. Like when you speak from such a place of authority and experience, it just hits different, but it's, it's really inspiring to me because I think it's easier for people to talk about this stuff and to say this stuff when they haven't accomplished it, but you've walked away from so many things just to chase what matters 
So it's like, ah, like it, it really, really inspires me to just keep following my own internal compass. And I hope that other people take that away yeah. because you've accomplished so much, yet it's still evolving. Like it's, you're still doing it and you're yeah. still figuring it out. Yeah. So I guess that never really goes away, huh? It doesn't. And I would say that, you know, the one thing it sounds like, and I have, like sometimes I get exhausted, you know, thinking about my journey. But the one thing that I'll say is you can't be afraid to just, you, you, you do have to like put in some time and you do have to put up with some shit and you do, you know, through that, it doesn't mean like, my God, if you're in any, any kind of like horrible, abusive situation, not what I'm saying, right. but Fail. I do think that there is a kind of, I think younger people coming into the work world now kind of have this like, well, if it's not perfect or it's not exactly what I wanted or I'm not, don't have this or I don't have that, I'm out. And I was yeah. like, give it a minute, you know, give it a minute. Maybe it's not the exact thing that you wanted, but it may give you something that's going to kind of do this, right? It's going to lead you to the thing that you might or a person that that yeah. might. And I think that's the weird thing about the world. And, you know, I've gotten my ass kicked a lot. And it's just, it's been this lifelong journey to build up enough confidence mm -hmm. now mm. to know that I'm like, I'm actually really good at this because you question this all the long, you just question it. And now like this next chapter, whether it's triple zero, whether it's this other project, like I can actually do this. Like mm. I can actually make a difference. And it's in this, in this automotive space that I love so much. And I'm like, I think I'm home. Like, I think I'm home, which took a really long time. <laughs> That's so sick. Yeah. And it's about the people though. Like right. the best thing about Omaze were that the people that I worked with and the people that I met and mm. the paths that it took me to and the fact that I had just had coffee with J.R. Hildebrand, who Again, I consider yeah. a friend, you know, and that I can call up Justin Bell. And this is not a name drop thing. Like these are people that I have so much respect for. And yeah. I'm like the fact that they give me the time of day now and I'm like, okay, you did something right. Yeah. Okay, that's, I must be doing something that they value. And that's, it's kind of everything. That's amazing. Like, again, that just like, it really reaffirms how important that is. After everything you've been through and all the things you could have been like, no, nah, this is what I care about. Like, that really says it. And it's also, I love understanding and hearing this chapter because it's like, you went out and you won the game in fashion and apparel. And then you kind of like started to scratch the itch of automotive and like did something really special with Omaze. And then it just didn't, you know, whatever mm -hmm. the company changes, life changes. But now it's like, that's given you enough to be like, all right, yeah, I'm home. I know where it's at, yeah. but now you have all the experience and <laughs> everything else you did. So whatever you end up doing is going to be fucking sick. And you have your people. It's all about the people. That's it really is. so many parallels in your story. Like, yeah, of course I relate. And I talk about cars all day long, right. but like, I don't know swimming. I don't know that side of the fashion that you got into. I still feel so many parallels of the story. So I like really hope that helps inspire others to to take some of those lessons. Yeah. I love nothing more, especially for young women, you know, to, to be of any help, be an ear, be a mentor, be a, you know, because it is no matter what industry you're in, it, it is hard, you know, it is hard. And in that confidence building and all the pressures, and especially for younger women now with like social media, like I didn't have to deal with that for so much of my, you know, kind of time. And it's like brutal, you know? And so like, I just like, don't quit, you know, don't quit. And you might, if you might have a day where you're like, fuck this and I'm pulling the covers up and that's it. But like, you'll get back 
just don't quit. And like this past year, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit life. I wanted to quit everything. You know, I didn't have my my best friend and my partner. I, you know, it's like, how the fuck am I going to do any of this? It's the people. Like, shout out to Ray Service. Shout out to Triple Zero. Shout out to my incredible female friends who are warriors and just like kept me standing. You know, and like that's what it is about. So lean on people. Ask for help. Ask for advice because sometimes you're just too proud. Yeah. You're like I'm not going to do it. Like go find someone who can like be your person. That was bars. That was really good. (laughs) All right. This was really cool. Oh, it was fun. It really was. Yeah. Thank you. And it's like, again, it's like, like personally I'm sitting here and I feel validated. I'm learning, but I also hope that anybody listening to this, right? Like some young woman that's about to go crush it or some, anyone, Anyone. somebody years in business that just needs to be reminded. Like I just, I love doing an episode where I feel like we put like value out into the world. And I think you really did that. So thank you for thank your time. You. And thank no, you for sharing that. Thanks for having me. Okay. So last thing, uh, because this was so helpful. If anybody at the end of this episode is like, oh my God, Sarah, thank you for every bit of this and has a question or just wants to say thank you. Is there a spot they can hit you up? Yeah. Probably just DM me on Instagram. Yeah. Um, it's probably the easiest and it might take me a sec. I'm not always the fastest on, on responding, but, um, yeah. Honestly, good. Social media needs a balance. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of got off of social media last year, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to like get back on. So yeah. Cool. I'll link it in the description, but what's the tag? It's, uh, at SL Lassic. So S L L. L-A-S-S-E-K. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>